week, if you were here, I talked on Psalm 118, and we're going to wrap up that sermon series, that little two-week series today. Psalm 118, there's a lot of great stuff in there. I could teach a sermon on individual sentences, but we broke it in half, and we're going to wrap it up today. But last week, we established the very real truths that we are not alone on this planet, that there are things at work in the spiritual realm all day, every day, sometimes right in our homes that we are unaware of, and God's like, you need to be aware of this. Like, you need to understand that your life is not just flesh and blood, there's spirit. We are not um, bodies that have spirits. We are spirits that just happen to have bodies. And there is so much going on in the spiritual realm that God wants us to be aware of. And one of the main things is we have a spiritual enemy in Satan, in his third of the stars army of angels that are on this planet right now and all they do every day all day is think of ways and engage in ways to discourage us and um, deflect our attention away from the Lord and to frustrate us. Our enemy, it says in the Bible, is here to steal, kill, and destroy. If you knew today when you got home that there'd be somebody coming to your house to steal from you, kill you, destroy everything that you've ever known, wouldn't you want to do something about that? Well, you do have somebody that wants to do that, and you need to be aware of it, and you need to take the proper measures to not only protect yourself, but empower yourself to be victorious, not learn how to just escape the trouble, but be strong and ferocious in it. Despite all of the enemy and spiritual oppression that exists in this world, and I mean, I could talk so much about it, but it's, it's kind of invisible in America. But you go to third world countries and the spiritual oppression that exists is very much abundant and like the veil has been removed more. Um, but it doesn't matter. That shouldn't rule us because we have Jesus. We have a Savior. We have the Son of God, who is God himself, that came to set us free from this, from fear, from shame, from sin, from death. So we have Jesus, and when we're honest with Jesus, which is our theme for the semester, being honest with each other and God, when we're honest with Jesus and when we pray to Jesus, the odds could be one in a, against a million, and I'm still going to come out on top because there's power in the name of Jesus. Um, does anybody like science fiction movies or stories? Anybody? There's a few of my people out there. I grew up on fantasy and science fiction. There's a cult classic film called Dune, built off of a book series called Dune, like a sand dune. And I want to show you this old school, 40-year-old, super cheesy clip from this movie to set up our talk this morning. Check this out. This obelisk is of your hardest stone. Kick it. Hit it. Yell at it. Break! Corbin, cut it. Move back. 
I show that to you because sometimes I kind of think in movies, I think in images, and that came to mind as I was thinking about this truth, this all throughout scripture biblical truth that there's power in the name, in the word, Jesus. There's something that takes place in the spiritual realm when a believer says the name Jesus in faith. And I love that line at the beginning, this obelisk, this thing is made, it's cut from your hardest stone, and they yell at it, and they kick it, and they hit it, and then they pull out whatever that thing was, and they try to cut it, and they don't even scratch this stone, and yet one word shatters it. You guys, there's a, there's a sermon there. I think of my own heart. I think of your hearts, and our hearts can be as hard as stone sometimes when we live in unforgiveness when we put up walls around ourselves because we've been hurt and nothing is getting through, and yet the name of Jesus can change that. Um, I think of this quote that you've all heard, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place, and yet there is power in the name of Jesus, and no matter how desperate your situation is, if you feel like you're stuck with nowhere to go between a rock and a hard place, there's power in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus changes everything. I think of my friend Jamie Winship, who taught multiple sermons right here on the stage to students years past, and he shared, because he used to be part of the FBI, and how the FBI, the American Federal Bureau of Investigation, has whole case files on the truth, the fact, the indi just indisputable we don't understand it fact that when you're in a criminal situation, when there is the potential for loss of life in a terrorist act, when people stand up and speak the name of Jesus, the possibility of death in those moments dramatically drops. The FBI has files that they're like, we don't know how to understand it, but when people of faith speak the name of Jesus to other people that want to kill them, the likelihood of them getting killed decreases dramatically. They wouldn't have those files if there wasn't something to it. There is power in the name of Jesus, your Savior, your King, your God, our friend. There's power in the name of Jesus, and there is power in doing life, doing relationships His way. I'll share a personal story demonstrating the power of the name of Jesus. Um, many of you know that I struggled with alcoholism. It was my sin issue. It was my, I don't really care if it's wrong. I'm going to do this anyway issue. And you might have one of those. And I was a year into my acknowledgement that like, man, I think I'm an alcoholic. Like I've been drinking for like 10 years and I never really admitted it, but I, I'm just starting to think Maybe I'm an alcoholic because I decided, you know, I'm just going to not drink tonight. And I found out I can't. I can't not drink. Maybe there's something in your life that you're like, you know what? I've been doing this. It's not good for me, so I'm going to stop. And you're like, I can't. Um, it's all I think about. I'm obsessed with it. I can't escape it. Do you have something like that in your life? I bet you do. I did. And it was alcoholism. 
And I was finally honest with God. God requires us. He made us to speak truth. And I was honest with him. And I just said, I think that I'm an alcoholic. I think that I can't stop drinking. Um, I know that you're real. I know that the spiritual realm is real. So, Lord, I don't understand why, like, I'm a human being. I'm a, I'm a grown man. Why can't I just decide to stop drinking? And I asked, is there something more to the fact that I can't stop drinking that I don't see? Is there something spiritual going on that's keeping me from quitting drinking? I asked that of the Lord one night, and then I fell asleep. And as I'm sleeping, I have a nightmare. And it's one of those dreams that, like, like it just is powerful. It's, it's different somehow. And maybe you've had dreams like that. And in my dream, I'm, we'll just do this right here. This is my bed. And I'm laying down in my bed, and I'm dreaming. But in my dream, I'm dreaming that I'm laying in my bed, even though in reality I'm actually laying in my bed. And I'm sleeping, but I'm not sleeping peacefully. Right here, at the foot of my bed, is this giant, black, shapeless mass. And it is leaning over my bed, kind of at the corner, and it is like radiating hatred for me. It is radiating this sense of murder toward me. And I'm laying here having this nightmare that there's this thing at the foot of my bed that wants to kill me, that wants to destroy me, and it is gigantic, and like it's like I can't shoot it, I can't stop Like There's nothing I can do about it. And at some point in my nightmare, I realize that I am no longer asleep. I am literally gone from having this nightmare where I'm laying in bed to actually being aware I'm not dreaming anymore. I'm laying here in my bed with my eyes closed, but if I open my eyes, I know this thing is there. I know this thing is actually in the room. And as I become aware that there is a demon in my room, I feel cold. Like, I don't feel like chilly. Like, I feel a coldness washing over me like the wind this morning, like you felt something. I felt cold. I felt an indescribable fear that there was something in my room that wanted to and had every ability to kill me, destroy me in that moment. And I just realized this thing is real. And I'm a grown man at this point in my life laying here in my bed. And I was too scared to open my eyes because if I saw that thing with my eyes, I would like lose it. I'd freak out. It would break me. And I'm, but I'm, the longer I'm laying there, and it could have been two minutes, it could have been an hour, I don't know, but I'm, I'm shivering from cold and fear and there's something in my room. That's all I know. And it's not going away. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something. And I'm like, okay, I have a relationship with God. I, I should pray. And I'm, even my thoughts of trying to pray are like jumbled and scattered like I can't focus. So I try to pray and like words won't come out. And then I'm also like realizing I don't even know what to pray. Like how do you pray in this situation? I haven't seen the exorcist enough to know how to handle this situation. I don't have any holy water. And then I realize there's power in the name of Jesus. And I realize in that moment I don't even know. I don't need to know what to pray. I just need to say the name of Jesus. And so I'm like, I'm going to say the name of Jesus. And I literally, you guys, I couldn't get the word out. I couldn't speak. Have you ever had a dream where you just, you like can't 
speak or like you feel like you're being pressed down. Like it was like that. I couldn't say the word. And then I'm trying with all my might, with my eyes tight, this cold and hatred washing over me. And I just barely eke out, Jesus. Like that's as much as I could get out. It was like a whisper. But as soon as I whispered it, I was like, okay, that's exactly, like I just knew that's what I need to do. So I tried again. It was a little louder. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, and then I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, alone in my house, Jesus, totally loud enough, because the neighbors came to me the next day, was somebody screaming at your house at three in the morning? And I'm like, it was me. (laughs) But I am screaming the name of Jesus, and in a flash, like, the cold was gone, the fear was gone, the hatred was gone, I opened my eyes, and there was nothing there. But no one will ever be able to tell me that something wasn't there. So, it was very hard to go back to sleep, but I did. And when I woke up the next morning, I just thought about that. And I was like, what was that? Like, I've never experienced anything like that. And the more awake I became in the morning, the more I remembered, oh, I prayed before I went to bed that God would show me if there was more to my sin, my alcoholism, this thing oppressing me, than met the eye And boom, a demon's in my room that wants to kill me, and alcoholism kills you. And it just clicked. There's a spirit that I have given permission to mess with me by drinking, knowing it's bad for me. And there is more to me saying no and not being able to say no and standing up with my no. There's more going on than meets the eye. There was a spirit of alcoholism. There was a a demon that hated me and was using alcoholism to try to kill me. And God was showing me that night, there's more going on here than you realize. But I got the name of Jesus. I was honest with God, and God answered my prayer. Lord, I think I'm an alcoholic. Is there more to my alcoholism than meets the eye? Yes, there is. Our enemy, our spiritual enemy, is a legalist. Our enemy, the devil, and all of us, they're legalists. They They are all about the rules, and they use the rules to mess with us. Um, Every time that I drank, I was giving the enemy permission to mess with me because I knew it was a sin, but I did it anyway, and so I was giving the enemy permission. Does that make sense? Every time you do your thing that you know you shouldn't do, you are literally giving permission to the enemy to mess with you. I mean, I think about pornography, looking at porn, masturbation, whatever. And the guilt and the shame that overtakes us after we do the thing we shouldn't do. Do you really think that that guilt and shame is just from you? I mean, isn't sometimes so like debilitating and crippling and it makes you want to kill yourself? Do you really think that's you alone? Or do you think you're giving the enemy permission when you sin so that he can come and mess with you and belittle you and grind you into the floor? There is more going on in your life in the spiritual realm than you realize. And when we sin deliberately, when we disobey God deliberately, when we're dishonest with what we're really struggling with, we are giving the enemy permission to mess with us. It's a fact. And it's like giving him a foothold. The Bible is full of these passages that refer to this thing called foothold. I'll read one to you from Ephesians 4. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, 
which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Holy Spirit change the way that you think. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't, let, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't sin by letting lust control you. Don't sin by letting alcoholism control you. Don't sin by letting unforgiveness control you. What's controlling you? Don't sin by letting that control you. Don't even let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. This is what a foothold looks like. I need somebody tall. Alex, Alex, come here. Take your time, but hurry up. All right, so what's up, dudes? Yeah, there's little people out here. All right, Alex, you're outside my door. Alex is my sin. Alex is my oppression. Alex is that thing that I'm struggling with that I can't get away from. Now, I'm going to shut the door on him, and he's gone. What's up, Alex? He's like just back there taking notes. No, we're closed. Now, when I sin deliberately, I am giving Alex a foothold. Now, put it right here. I'm going to chop your leg off into my life, and so that when I try to close the door, I can't. I can't get rid of him because I have sinned, and now he's got a foothold in my life. Do you understand that? Do you understand that when you sin deliberately, you deliberately do what you know God doesn't want for you, you are giving the enemy a foothold, and so like, I'm going to get tired of it, I'm just going to go away, and Alex is coming right inside my living room. And so the next time that I do something wrong, not only is he in here, but he's going to come up, I'm not done with you, right behind me, and he's going to whisper mean, ugly things. Oh, my God, you're so heavy. <laughs> and this is how we do life. We mess up knowingly, and then we're surprised that we feel guilty. Go sit down. Guilty, ashamed, afraid. It's because we've given the enemy a foothold. That's what we do, you guys. And God wants us to know that. He wants us to understand that. He doesn't want us to be afraid in that. And I love this passage, Ephesians 4. Maybe we'll study that for small groups this week. Maybe I'm going to change our passage. Um, but I see everything that we've been talking about this year in this passage. I see repentance in there, changing the way that we think about who God is and who he made us to be. I see honesty in there, which is what God's calling us to. I see obedience and the fruit of obedience in there. And I see a warning in there. Be careful. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Where are you, student, where am I, failing to control yourself, failing to successfully say no to that sin, that, that temptation? You need to know that God is warning you because he loves you. You may have, you may be giving the devil, which looks like Alex, a foothold. So, I want to ask you a question. Where are you failing to control yourself? Where in your life do you feel powerless to say no? Just between you and the Lord. And maybe you ask the Lord that right now in your own words. Where am I feeling powerless to say no? You need to be aware. You may have given the devil, the devil, a foothold. 
Now, why are we talking about this today? What, what, Justin, you're really bringing me down, dude. What's the deal? You trying to give me nightmares too? Not really. Why are we talking about this today? Because God wants us to know, to be aware, not only of the devil, but the, the more important truth, there's a way out. There is power in the name of Jesus. That's all we need. There's power in the name of Jesus. John chapter 16, 23 through 24, I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, God directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name, Jesus says. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. We have an enemy. Just know this. Remember this. Accept this. We have an enemy, and he is older than us. He is stronger than us. He is bigger than us. He is better at this than us. And he has been pushing us around for too long. And Jesus has literally been waiting for us to be honest with him and to ask for help using his name. I want you guys to just stop, and we're going to pray right now. I want you to grab your pen and your card, and we're going to pray right now. Here's the kind of question. Maybe you have your own question, but here's the kind of question I want you to ask. Where in your mind, your thoughts, right? God wants us to change the way we think. Where in your thoughts, where in your behavior or your attitude do you feel stuck? Do you feel darkness? Just acknowledge wherever that is. Do you have unforgiveness for somebody? Is there a sin or a temptation in your life that is just pushing you around? That's your thing. Own it. Accept it. Write it down. Nobody's looking over your shoulder. And then I want you to just write a prayer or breathe a prayer and just ask for, for help in Jesus' name. Lord, right now I feel like you are bringing anger to my mind. I can't control my temper I ask you, God, to help me in Jesus' name. Boom. And believe, like God's listening and God is answering. Whatever your thing is, just right now in Jesus' name, pray and just say, God, help me. And just believe, like he hears you. He's listening. He's in the room. So whisper that prayer, write that prayer. I'll give you about 20 seconds to do so. All right, you're still praying, you're still writing, go ahead. But in some way, shape, or form, believe me when I say this to you, I know this is fact, help is on the way. Help is on the way right now in response to what you just prayed in faith, even if your faith is like this big. What do we do, though, in the meantime? Maybe your help has just arrived, but maybe it's on the way. What do we do in the meantime? Well, let's pick back up in Psalm 118. Psalm 118, 14 through 18 says this, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. The strong right arm of the Lord is raised in triumph. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. says it twice. I will not die. 
Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. The Eternal has taught me many lessons, and he has been strict and sometimes severe. But even in his discipline, he has not allowed me to die. Like, we're still here, you guys. I love this picture. Picture in your mind a bunch of hardened, sword-wielding warriors in a camp at night around a fire, and it's darkness all around in 360 degrees, and they don't care about the dark. They don't care about what enemy may be lurking. In fact, they care so little that they are singing songs of victory around this fire at night. They're not afraid of what's lurking in the shadows. Why are they so fearless? Because they know, as you should know, that God is with you. Therefore, you have nothing to fear. Like, God is with you. Even in my room that night, when that horrible thing was at the foot of my bed, God was with me. I had to remind myself of it. I had to pray and just shout the name of Jesus to remember it. But he was there the whole time. He was letting me see there's more here than meets the eye. But don't worry, I'm right here with you. Now, why are they fearless? Because God's with them. Why are they singing? Because this is an added point. This is a bonus treat for you. The enemy cannot stand worship. When we worship, when we praise God, which is the opposite of what the enemy tries to do, tries to get us to think and believe, when we praise God, the enemy can't stand it. He has forced to run away. And I love that, and you need to know that. When we praise and worship God, it forces the enemy to flee. So why are they singing? Because they want, they're wanting to drive fear. They're wanting to drive their enemies away. They're wanting them to know... We're alone in this darkness, but we're together, and we have God with us, and we're going to praise him. And if you come over here, you better know you're going to get more than you can bargain for. So I would ask you guys again, where in your life are you fearful or timid or scared? Your answer is pray in the name of Jesus, testify, talk about Jesus, and sing to Jesus. Thinking about this command, this is a command, sing to God, praise him, worship him like we do here every day, every Sunday. It made me remember a low point in my life when I was super depressed, and it was after the bed thing. And I would go on long walks in the woods because it's just easy for me, easier for me to remember God when I'm in nature. And I would sing to myself, again, grown man, almost 30 years old, alone in the woods, and the woods I would walk in were over by the golf course, and I would be alone out there, and I would be singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, and I would sing that over and over in the woods by myself. And sometimes I just needed to, I would scream those lyrics in the woods. And there's like, you know, Martin golfing, backstroke, and then, Jesus loves me! This I know! And he's like, what's going on? The golfers would always be just looking in the woods, and I did not care. I didn't bat an eye because I needed to be worshiping the Lord in that moment. I needed to be singing because depression and anxiety were on me. But the more I sang in the name of Jesus, the more that those feelings would just fall away. The next time you're sad, alone, afraid, I challenge you, I beg you, sing any worship song you know out loud and see if it doesn't change. 
the environment immediately. Psalm 118, 19 through 20, open for me the gates where the righteous enter and I will go in and I will thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord and the godly enter there. When we live in honesty, in obedience to God, when we read God's word, truth, when we obey God's word, when we trust in the name of Jesus, the psalm is saying we can walk right up to the gates of heaven, and we can hammer on the door unashamed. I mean, can you picture just some beautiful, ancient doors leading into heaven? And do you know as God's kid who uses the name of Jesus, you can walk right up to it, and you can just pound on this. Let me make sure I'm not going to freak anybody out. Don't be scared. You can just be like, Daddy, let me in, in the name of your son, Jesus. It would have been cool if you'd opened the door right then, but... You guys, that's the authority, that's the permission you've been given. When you pray in the name of Jesus, you can walk right up to the gates of heaven, and you don't have to be like, you know, hello. You can pound on the door knowing that your father, he's going to open the door. He loves you. He's been waiting for you to show up. It reminds me again of a personal story. So give me a picture of Charlotte at her diving meet. So last weekend, on Saturday and Sunday, Charlotte was at a diving meet. Ta-da! Would have been awesome if it just showed up. Ta-da! Ta-da! Are my slides up? There it is! So, you see the little straight line creature? That's Charlotte. That's Charlotte at the Laura Wilkinson Invitational. And this is a huge meet. It's an Olympic qualifying meet. And there's my girl diving at it over at the natatorium with all these little children's doing dives. And it was such a neat experience. But what I love about this story is it's the Laura Wilkinson Invitational. Does anybody know who Laura Wilkinson is? Anybody? Nobody? That's all right. So next picture. This is Laura Wilkinson up there and then in the middle. Laura won the gold medal at the Sydney Olympics in 2000. I think it was 2000. Maybe it was Beijing. I don't know. She won a gold. She's an Olympian. And this diving meet that my daughter was diving in was named after this woman, Laura. Now, Laura lives in the area and will sometimes go to the natatorium where all these little kids are at. And everybody at the natatorium that's there for diving knows who Laura is. And when Laura is there, they're a little like, ooh, hey, there's Laura. Oh, my God. There's Laura. Like the kids are whispering and the moms are like, that's Laura. And they're like intimidated to go up to her. But I walk right up to Laura, and I just like, Laura, what's happening? And I give her a hug, and I'm like, it's so good to see you. You look different, but no. I walk right up, and I hug Laura, and we embrace, and we talk, and I am not intimidated to bother her or walk up to her or embrace her in any way because I know Laura. Laura and I went to high school together. Laura and I have known each other for decades. And she's a close friend of mine from back in the day. So I'm not intimidated to walk up and say hello to this amazing woman in any way, shape, or form because I have a relationship with her and I know her. Students, you have a relationship with, you know or can know Jesus Christ personally. And when you do, you can walk right up to him 
and talk to him and not be afraid of him or intimidated by asking for an autograph, a photo, or a miracle because you just understand he loves me. We have history. We know each other. Um, I'm comfortable around Laura, and we should be comfortable around Jesus because we're friends. And it makes me, and it begs the question, why are we so timid when we pray? In the name of Jesus, our friend, our Savior, our King. And I think it's because we think, well, that's just too easy. It's too easy to be having a demonic nightmare and just say, Jesus, and everything's okay. It's too easy to just read the Bible on a regular basis and, like, feel good. It's too easy to just sing a worship song and feel encouraged. But you guys, God made it that easy for us because he knew we needed it. It is that easy. Um, you do deserve God's help in that moment. You can get to know Jesus more and more every day by reading this book. And if you're like, oh, well, you know what? I can't because I'm not living right. Well, you can start living right today. Um, I say it's time to change the way that we think about who God is. He's our friend. He loves answering prayer. He's waiting for you guys to ask him for help and be honest with where you're struggling I have more, but we're going to skip it. I'm going to invite the band up here. And as they come up, I'll just say, the Lord is waiting for you to come to him. That's from Isaiah 30. Do you understand that? Think about that. God who created everything, he's waiting for you to come to him so that he can show you love and compassion. Not the back of his hand, love and compassion, for the Lord is a faithful God, and blessed are those who wait for his help. Oh, my people, you will weep no more. You'll be depressed no more. You'll be ashamed no more. You'll be ruled by anger no more, because God will be gracious to you if you ask for help. He will surely respond to your cries. God has been waiting for you, students, to ask for help. And I want you to ask if you haven't already before you leave the room. And I need you to remember, you don't have to be in this room to ask. You can ask in your room. You can ask on the school bus. You can ask wherever you are, whenever that is. Ask God for help. Tell him what you need and use the name of Jesus. I want to close with a quick story about somebody who's been just leading the way in this charge of being honest with God, of asking God for help, and trusting in the power of the name of Jesus, and that's Dwight Theaker, our worship leader. Dwight has had a crisis of conscience this past year because he loves leading us in the student ministry. He loves all of you. He loves you. God has called him here. But he has had this crisis because his heart has been changing. His his desires have been changing. And God has been calling him in a new direction. And that's been tough for him. That's been hard for him because he's like, but this is my place. I like it here. I love being here with the students. But Dwight knew that God was speaking to him and moving him and encouraging him. So he prayed about it. And he was honest with God about it. And then he came and talked to me and he was honest with me about it. 
and just share it. I've been praying and I, I think my desire, my God is calling me to lead the adults now. I think God's shifting my heart. Now, if Dwight's desire has changed, if God has called him a new direction to lead the adults, um, if his new dream is to work in big church or a big church, well, then he can't stay in student ministry because God has something else for him. Maybe your desires have been changing this year, but you're scared to let something go. Man, learn from this guy. Um, with no safety net in place whatsoever, Dwight said, my heart has changed and I need to leave, but I don't know where I'm going to go. And gave his resignation. And that is huge because he's got bills to pay and a family to support and a dog that eats like so much food right out of house and home. And Dwight did not know where he would go next or how he would support his family as the leader of his family. All Dwight knew was, there's power in the name of Jesus, so I will pray to him, I will obey him, and I will trust him, even though I can't see the end game. And because of Dwight's leap of faith, do you know that the moment, the day that he quit his job, a brand new position just materialized out of thin air right on the adult worship team. And they only asked one person to apply for it, and Dwight got it. And so Dwight is going to be stepping out of student ministry to follow his calling, but will soon be working on the adult ministry team, which is the delight of his heart, which is the desire God gave him. And all that was required was him to be honest with God about his heart, to ask him a question, and to take a step of faith. And God answered his prayer immediately, abundantly, beautifully. And I am so proud of this man and his faith. And you should be proud of your student pastor, your worship leader too. Can you guys give Dwight a round of applause? And I would encourage you as Dwight is around for a few more days, although he's not going anywhere, he's just going one building over. But if you have ever had a moment of worship, if you have ever had a, a one night that just really impacted you, would you take a minute and just encourage him and let him know, thank you for the past three years, three years, two, three years. Thank you for showing up every Sunday and Wednesday. Thank you for being real and honest. Thank you for trusting the Lord and letting me be encouraged by it. 